0: Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at CityLifelancing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message.
1: There's two things before we get started. Chick-fil-A, it's all about the sauces. We all know, like, you take the sauces away And people wouldn't even want to go on Sundays. And so that's the truth, Devin. I don't know where you are. I don't think Devin's here anymore. And then two, my daughter walked up to me this morning. She gave me a hug. She's right here. She's 15. And she's like, you smell good. And it's all because I gave Devin a hug. Because there's no way, there's any other reason. But if you ever want to smell good on a Sunday morning, just find one of the Dream Team guys around 22 to 26. You'll smell like a cedar shed before you know it. All right, I'm Josh Block and I have been a part of City Life since the beginning. And my wife and I and our kids moved to Lansing 11 years ago and we had been a part of a church plant in Indiana and been in inner city community development and moved here and it was hard. And we went to almost every church in Lansing and then somehow my wife met Jerome and she's like, you gotta meet Jerome. They had met at Lansing Christian where our kids were going at the time with his kids. And uh, she just kept talking about him. I'm like, wow, oh, this guy must be, must be at least 6'2". Because, <laughs> and so anyway, a bunch of people said we got to meet. And so we met and we started being a part of the launch team and then have gotten to be a part over the last seven years. And... For those who aren't aware, weren't here last Sunday, Jerome and the Veerling family started a sabbatical last Sunday for three months. And the reason for that timing is because on the seventh day, God rested. And so there's something about sevens. And so after seven years, the Veerlings are trekking around the US some and they are looking back and they're reflecting and then they're looking forward to what's next. And so they're gonna be on sabbatical And yet today we're gonna focus on what does it look like for us as a church to lean into sabbatical? That they wouldn't come back and it'd be like, oh, they've just been floating. Like they've just been chilling, they've just been getting through like we dropped anchor in the middle of the ocean, but that we would actually mature as well, that we would reflect and that we would prepare for the season ahead. And we're certainly not doing it for Jerome Primarily, but that he would come back, that crystal would come back and be like, something's something's happened. Like some of the things that were immature in us as individuals and as a body are just different. And I've heard a few people on the dream team have been talking about what's the, the summer term? Summer summer shred 2022. I don't know. There's something about that, but like some people get their beach body ready in the summer. And what does it look like for us as a church body to strengthen over the next three months? Because there are two things that happen in organizations and especially in the church. One is they start to look like their pastor. And that's good in some ways, Jerome's great. There are lots of great things about Jerome and yet Jerome is not Jesus. And so our desire as City Life is to not look more like Jerome, but to look more like Jesus. And so this is a great opportunity for us to do that. And then two, a lot of organizations fall apart when their leader leaves. We've seen churches that for 10 or 15 or 20 years are are growing and thriving, and then the leader steps down and the whole thing falls apart. And that's certainly not the story that we'd want at City Life either. And so this is a great opportunity for us to practice as a church. What does it look like to move forward? And the good news is I was here about, 8.30 or nine this morning, and to see the people who are leading this church, serving, organizing, making this place happen, uh, very, very proud, very, very proud of of the team that's, that's leading City Life over these next couple of months. When we get together on Sunday, we focus on three things. The first is that we come together. And coming together has always been a big deal, but especially after COVID, when we were separate in so many ways, this is extra special to come together. The second reason we gather is to worship, to essentially practice what it's gonna be like in heaven. And then the third is the teaching time is set aside for transformation. So like some places, they're, they're just for head knowledge. Oh, like if we could just learn more about the book of fill in the blank and we're after way more than head knowledge. We're after actually being transformed. Like that we would come together on a Sunday and that we would have things that God would speak to us through the Bible, through the content that's been prepared through one another, that we would actually be transformed, that we would look more like Jesus. And so that's what we're after today. And so we're gonna tackle four things some of which I think maybe I've been asked to share from God because Jerome can't. And frankly, I don't get paid from City Life. And so I can say things that Jerome maybe isn't willing to say, right? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't work for you. So that's kind of the, the fun part is some of this is gonna be stuff that I'm actually gonna share through the lens of church leadership so that for our team that's here and for Jerome when he returns, like, what does it look, for, look like for us to grow up as a church? to make, make the load a little lighter for our pastoral team. And so I'm gonna just ask you to pick one. Pick one that over the summer, you're interested in leaning into. It could be one of the four that you're either strong in, but COVID kind of knocked you off course and, and maybe you lost some momentum. Or it could be one that you've stunk at your whole life. And you're like, I, I, want, I wanna develop a habit and I want it to eventually transform who I am. And so I just invite you to pick one. And so we're gonna go through them. You guys ready? Let's see, anything I missed up to that point? I don't think so. All right, the first is to be a leader. And I was at Horox the other day. How many of you are Horox fans? Oh, you guys are so bougie. That place is like, that place is the most disorganized. Like in terms of like Meyer and these other places, are like you go here and then you go here and then you get, then you get milk at the back and then you work for it. Horrocks, like not, they don't, they're like, they don't care at all about your, or like they're, you get lost there and they don't care because you're all of a sudden you walk out and like 300 bucks later, you've bought, you never knew that you needed like hand, made peanut butter and honey that's from a special bee in Williamston or whatever. But so we're in Horrocks and we walk outside um, this garden area because my wife was looking for some plants and there's a family, a mother and a grandmother and two children, like maybe six and eight. And so she says to the one child, go in front so that the cart can kind of follow you. And I think she was trying to streamline the experience with two boys and and uh, this little boy in the back goes, Hey, I want to be a leader. And I was like, So he kind of said it several times. Like he was, he was the one who was like having to follow in the back. And, and I looked at the parents after he said it several times. I was like, Are you sure? Like leadership is difficult. Like Bud, you're just seeing the good parts. You just think it's the front of the grocery line, so you get to—I don't know—whatever you get in the front. You maybe get your Achilles broken every now and again. But like you, there's a lot to leadership, and so for us uh, to be leaders at City Life, what we have to do is it starts with us. Like it starts with leading ourselves, and there's nothing more contagious than a life well lived. It's the ultimate leadership. And so with regard to this, we're gonna dig into a few scriptures. And when I say scripture, I mean the Bible. When I mean the Bible, I mean the word of God. And when I mean the word of God, I mean, for the most part, the words of Jesus. And so we're just gonna look at Matthew. Uh, This is a section. These are actually the words of Jesus when he was here on earth. He says, don't criticize, and then you won't be criticized. For others will treat you as you treat them. And why worry about the speck in the eye of your brother when you have a board in your own? Should you say, friend, let me help you get that speck out of your eye when you can't even see it because of the board in your own? Hypocrite. Or he, he's, not, he's not trying to be mean. He's actually saying like, you're being an actor. But be the real deal. First, get the board out of your own eye and then you can see and help your brother. And so this is huge for, for those of us who it's very easy to critique other leaders, the church, other people. I think in Jesus, if it, if it were 2022, Jesus would be like, don't point out the ketchup on your friend's shirt when you don't have any pants on. Like, and that's, I didn't know that that was gonna be funny, but it, like, I'm serious. Jesus, we have we have brought a complexity to Jesus is like this. Uh, you know how like George Washington and, and these people look when they're wearing the wigs and all that kind of, like Jesus, fully God, fully man, very present, very engaged in giving a specific reference to say like, hey, one of the scriptures in this uh, translation says, Don't judge or you will be judged. And as I was driving in this morning, I feel like it's even this idea of self-judgment. Like, well, this, this is commonly talked about. Like, hey, don't judge somebody else or you'll be judged. This idea of how many of us are judging ourselves all day long. is like, be careful there too, right? And so that's the first piece is just to start with me, is to start with me. Be a leader, that's one option to grab this morning. For anybody, by the way, there's a couple hundred of us and there will be a couple hundred of us at 11 o'clock is that if 25% of us each pick one, we're gonna have 100 or 150 people who are focused on starting with ourselves. All right, number two, be a follower. This is another option for us to be a follower. And when I think of being a follower in the church, The words that have come to mind over the last several weeks are that we major on the majors. This is the thing that I think Jerome maybe wouldn't be as likely to say because it sounds like complaining, but ultimately that like the keyboard warriors who are like, we should do this and we should have different lotion in the bathroom and we should spend more time talking about Noah and we should, we should, we should. It's like for us as a church to really major on the majors And so I'm gonna just tackle a couple of verses that direct us to kind of what I'll call the overarching theme of scripture. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. And the same verse just written in a different uh, translation says, repeat these basic essentials over and over to God's people. Warn them away or sorry, warn them before God against pious nitpicking, which chips away at the faith. It just wears everyone out. And I'm not saying that there isn't a place for theological discussion. There, there is a place for that. And yet, if we find ourselves constantly in the nitty gritty, there's a, there's a marketing book that's, that's totally non, non-religious, non-Christian, non-whatever, And uh, it actually says that complexity is born out of ego. Complexity is born out of ego. And if that couldn't be more true of like the the nitty gritty differences that we talk about. And yet, if we look at what Jesus is actually focused on, which we're gonna do here in a second, we're gonna see kind of what's important to him. And so here's what some religious people who've been very practiced at, at nitpicking are gonna do in John. So we're gonna tell a little story uh, that Jesus is getting ready to heal somebody on the Sabbath and that is a big no-no. So afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city near the sheep gate was Bethesda pool with five covered platforms or porches surrounding it. Crowds of sick folks, lame, blind, and with paralyzed limbs lay on the platforms, waiting for a movement of the water For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and disturbed the water. And the first person to step into it afterwards was healed. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. So I just turned 40 last September. So the better part of my whole life, this guy has been sick. And when Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, would you like to get well? Just like so human of Jesus, right? Like so... So even non-assumptive, right, is like even partnering in the healing as he says, would you like to get well? I can't, the sick man said, for I have no one to help me get into the pool at the movement of the water. So not only has he been aching for 38 years, but he's lonely. He doesn't even have a friend or a group of friends who can get him into the water. While I'm trying to get there, someone always gets in ahead of me. Just there's limits, Just scarce. And so Jesus told him, stand up, roll up your sleeping mat, and go on home. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his mat and began walking. But it was on the Sabbath when this miracle was done. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. It's illegal to carry that sleeping mat. It's like, they're not even on Jesus yet. These people are like... Just think about that. They're ready. They're, they're ready to go after this dude for carrying his mat. He's like, what am I? I've been paralyzed for 38 years. I've been laying on this. What do you want me? I mean, I can leave the mat at the pool, but it's kind of bad stewardship and kind of littering. Like what, I mean, what's he supposed to do? He stood up for the first time and he's walking with the mat and he doesn't know it's Jesus. And so they ask him who, and he says, the man who healed me, told me to, was his reply. Who was it? Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, and Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, don't sin as you did before, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man Sorry, the screen's kind of hopping across here. I'm reading two at once. But then the man went to find the Jewish leaders and told them it was Jesus who had healed him. So they began harassing Jesus as the Sabbath breaker. Like, man, two for the price of one. Like, that's just incredible, right? And so for us as a church, what does it look like for us to major on the majors. And when I think of majoring on the majors, I I don't have a, a PhD from Princeton Theological Seminary, but having been in the church, following Jesus, and read scripture my entire life, here's what I would say is, are some of the big rocks of scripture. God is love. God made people and calls them very good. God sent his son Jesus to show us the way and die for our sins. Christians have been given the Holy Spirit inside of us to guide and encourage us as we live out the kingdom of God in a fallen world. Like that, and, and I think that if you put 400 pastors in a room and, or 10,000 Christians in a room and you really said, hey, would you just write down the handful of things? I think they'd be pretty close. You know, there might be somebody who tweaks a little more toward one thing or another, But that's the theme of scripture. God is love. And as I walked into church this morning, as I worshiped alongside of you, if there's nothing else that you hear, amidst the complexity and the layers and the shame and the religiosity and all of that sort of stuff, like the entire theme of scripture is surrounded in love. Like everything. Creation, Jesus, reconciliation, heaven is all surrounding God's love for us is all surrounding God's love for us. And so that's an invitation. After we move through, be a leader, start with us. We gotta be a follower, major on the majors. And every church leader in the world will thank you. All right, number three, be family, be family. And I love this quote, Jonathan David Helser, who wrote many, many songs, but one of them, uh, we're no longer slaves to fear. Uh, he lives in North Carolina with his wife, Melissa. And this is a quote that resonates in my life in significant ways, is that the more heaven comes to earth, the more the earth looks like family. And Devin hit the nail on the head. We're, we're after access. Like Jesus has given us access and then we turn around and give access to others. The more that heaven comes to earth, the more the earth looks like Family. And so when I think about being family, I think of unity and what a time we're in for unity. Like if we just stop, we just go like politics, COVID, which led to masks and, and vaccines and social distancing. And then now we're moving into like, then quickly we hopped across, we have, we have uh, a conversation around race. And conversation would be a really nice way to put it, right? Like we have debates over what what kinds of people matter. And then we move from there quickly because our attention span is so short and the media gets paid so much to divide us. And then we move across and it's like abortions next, Ukraine, guns. It's like, there's not enough room in the stage. Like, what's next? And so what does it look like for us as a body to come together and to unite around The things that matter most, the things that are at the heart of Jesus. And so let's look to the scripture. This is Romans. And I'm just going to read a piece from Romans, which is Paul writing to the Roman people. So the people in Rome writing to a church. And he says, so let's agree to use all of our energy in getting along with each other help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. You're certainly not gonna permit any argument over what is served and not served at a supper to wreck God's work among you, are you? And when he's saying supper, it's because they're not sure now that Jesus has died, like what they can eat and what they can't eat because there used to be all these restrictions. And so that's not a topic for us all that commonly. I mean, a few of us are, are talking about it, but that's not the big conversation of the day. Today, it's like, masks and vaccines and even race and everything else I named Ukraine. Like, what can, we, what can we unite around? What can we call good? Like when we actually dig down into the trenches of these conversations so that we can find something we disagree about, what does it look like to unite? What does it look like to unite? And then we're gonna pull up one more piece from Romans. I said it before, and I'll say it again. All food is good, but it can turn bad if you use it badly. If you use it to trip others up and send them sprawling. And then can you hop one more forward? When you sit down to a meal, your primary concern should not be to feed your own face, but to share the life of Jesus. So be sensitive and courteous to others who are eating. Don't eat or say or do things that might interfere with a free exchange of love. Don't do things that interfere with the free exchange of love. Might that guide our conversation? Let's move one more forward. John, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love me as much, that you love them as much as you love me, that the world would actually feel loved because of our love for them and because of God's love for us. And then the last, the fourth, is be Jesus, is be Jesus. And this one is, is really simple, but really complex. And let's hop forward to love. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Like, that's, I actually, I know you guys didn't ask, I have that tattooed on my chest and this will be the one for me. To grow as someone who loves because if I love, it's a reflection of me knowing God. And if I don't love, it's a reflection of me not knowing God. And so I just invite, we're gonna hop forward a couple of slides and we're gonna wrap here. If the worship team would come on up, that would be great. We hop forward and have all four of them on the screen to be great. I just wanna invite you to pick one. To pick one today and to think through this course of the summer, if you're someone who finds yourself critical of those around you a lot, starting with yourself would be a great place. If you're someone who finds that you kind of get nitpicky into the granular stuff and there's a lot of divisive conversations because of it, I invite you to, to really major on the majors, to take your plane to a higher level from a theology and from a life perspective. Number three, to unite. Similarly, if you find yourself in conversations that the other person's crying and the other person is defensive and and invulnerable and always backing away, you might be invigorated by the the challenging conversation and they might not. And then the last is, uh, if love is a struggle, Just invite you to be Jesus, to just pick that up over and over. And when he says love, he doesn't mean Valentine's Day. He doesn't mean a dozen roses. He means being patient and kind and gentle and humble and not keeping record of wrongs, but rejoicing in the truth and that love never ends. So I just invite you as we sing together to just reflect on it, even converse with God. Like, hey God, what do you think about that? Did I pick the right one? He'll, he'll nudge you, be like, eh, maybe the one over there another. And so I'm just gonna pray for us. Jesus, as we lean in to being leaders, to being followers, to being family, to being you, we just invite you to encourage us along. We just say like, we need your help. Would you carry us with your grace and with your truth? That City Life would be a group of individuals and a community of people that the world primarily knows we're Christians because of our love one for another, that we'd be the least offended people in the world, that we'd be the most united, that we would be under the banner of the big T truth and the big L love. We love you and we trust you. We just ask that you'd cover us as we go out and we be your people. In Jesus name, amen. This is quite a script. I'm going to read it. All races, all faces, all ages, you belong here. We're going to keep loving the city one life at a time, and we won't stop until he makes all things new. Have a great day.
0: God Almighty, God Almighty, oh God.